everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Uh, this last week we had Thanksgiving, and uh, I sure hope you got a lot to eat and uh, are now are now feeling. Uh, I was going to say are now feeling the effects of it, but hopefully you're not. Um, I got something in the mail this last week that said, "Remember, Thanksgiving calories don't count." Uh, well, this time of year is probably my favorite time uh, for us as a family. Thanksgiving and, and time with the family, it's always wonderful. Uh, but on the day after Thanksgiving, we come alive, get up early on Black Friday, we dress warm, we get in the car, we blast the Christmas music. Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of fun shopping. We get a package of sausage and cheese and crackers, crank up some music, decorate the house, all that kind of stuff. Doesn't always happen on the Black Friday, but uh, once once Thanksgiving is over, kind of getting set up and ramped up into the Christmas season, it's just... It's just a really fun time. And, and every year during the season, I like to look back over the past and, and count my blessings. And as easy as it can be most of the time to come up with a long list of things to be grateful for, there have been times where it was just really hard. You know, in seasons where things have been hard and we're just trying to survive, it can be really difficult to have the kind of perspective that would allow us to see how blessed we really are. You know, before I met uh, my wife, Chelsea, Christmas was kind of a sad time for me. I would see everyone's families. I'd see how happy they were, see the memories they were creating. And then I'd go home to an empty house that I lived in. And yeah, I would have time with my own family, but you know, eventually the party would end and we'd all go home and I would go home to an empty house. It was hard. I didn't feel fair that someone who would give their life to the ministry like I had would have to wait so long to finally have a family. There were times where it was just really hard to see how blessed I was because I was too busy comparing what I didn't have to what others did have. I was so focused on feeling like God was being unfair to me that I just didn't see the bigger truth. And maybe you're listening and you find yourself in a place like that. Maybe uh, this time of year, it's hard for you. Maybe you're celebrating Christmas without someone this year that you'll be missing. Maybe you're single and you're feeling alone, just as I did for many years. Maybe you're dealing with other issues in your life that are clouding over what should be a joyous time of year for you. Whatever it is, I want to share something with you that will be incredibly valuable. It's a truth that is so profound and yet so simple that you may have never actually heard a pastor tell you this before. And here it is. God is not fair. And it's a good thing that he isn't. Think about it for just a moment. God is not fair and it's a good thing he isn't. I mean, if you think about this for for a second and wonder, would you actually want what you deserve? Would you actually want God to give you what you deserve? I don't think you would. I know I certainly would and I know what I deserve. What I deserve is separation from him. What I deserve is punishment. What I deserve is is, is a lot of things that I would not want. God is not fair. Do you think it was fair for Jesus to suffer the penalty 
for sins that you and I committed? Uh, absolutely not. God is not fair, and it's a good thing that he isn't. In fact, that's what mercy is. That's what grace is, is it's a change of fairness. It's a, it's a, it's a unfair thing. It's God being unfair. So let me ask you this, though. What, what happens when you feel like you've been treated unfairly? What, what, does it, uh, what does it feel like? What happens when you feel like you have been treated unfairly? You know, there have actually been studies, psychological studies, showing that people would rather receive nothing than receive a smaller part of something. Psychology Today says this, and I quote, A whole host of experiments have asked people in groups of two to divide a small amount of money, like $10. A person chosen at random will be the initial splitter of the money. That person, that first person, will decide how much they want to offer the other person. So if I have $10 and I get to decide, I can choose, do I offer you two? Do I offer you five? What do I offer you? Now you, the other person, this is the other person would then decide to take the money or to reject the money. If they reject, then neither person gets anything. In other words, if you get offered $2, knowing the other person is going to take eight, do you agree? It's a one-time decision. Your choice is not going to reflect any potential future earnings. Now, from a purely rational perspective, people should always take the money offered. It shouldn't matter what the other person is getting or if it's an even split because any amount of money is more than you have. And from a rational view, people should maximize their own situation. But that isn't what happened. In the U.S. sample, and by the way, this was done in the United States, was also done in China, and the numbers were very, very similar. But here's what it says. In the U.S. sample, 85% of participants offered $2, rejected it, believing that the other person would get 8 This was also the case when the other person was a friend or a stranger. When the amount was $4, 58% of people rejected it if they believed a friend was making the offer, and 30% rejected it if they believed a stranger was making the offer, believing the other person would get $6. This is quite high a percentage of people were more willing to take no money than to let the other person take a higher amount of money than them. This is unfortunately a trait in human nature that causes us to sabotage our own lives, to rob ourselves of the incredible blessings that we have and to further our own situations. And before, before you listen to that and say, well, it's because people want, want to be fair. They want things that are fair. I think I would disagree with you because I think if those same people, if, if I had a choice to offer of the $10 and I got to decide, if I offered if I offered you $2, according to this study, 85% of the time you would reject it. If I offered you eight and I was going to keep two, I would imagine that number changes quite a bit. That math changes. There's a, I bet you there's a much higher likelihood that you would take that. It still wouldn't be fair. See, the thing is that I don't think it's so much about fair as much as it is. We don't want someone else to be better off than we are. We can be better than they are, but we don't want them to be better off than we are. It's it's a human trait. It's part of our human nature. And it causes us to sabotage our own lives, to rob ourselves because we're comparing ourselves to others. And when we get so caught up doing that, where we're comparing ourselves to others, we forget to compare ourselves to ourselves, which is really the only comparison that matters. This attitude, it's not new. It's, it's caused people to sabotage their own lives and the lives of others for as long as people have recorded history. 
In fact, Jesus addressed it head on with a parable that we're going to look at in this episode. In this parable, he clearly shows God is not fair, at least not in the way that we would perceive it. Still, there's a greater point that can be very easy to miss if we're not paying attention. Here's the, here's the parable, and it's uh, a pretty good portion of scripture here. It's found in Matthew chapter 20. It's verse uh, 1 through verse 16. Here, here's the parable. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said, you go to the vineyard also and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went again. He went out the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you shall go to the vineyard too. Now, when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, starting with the last group to the first. When he, when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. And so when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These who were hired last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day's work and the scorching heat. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I want to give to this last person the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I want with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I'm generous? So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So what happened here? Well, a, a man goes out early, probably about 6 a.m. Uh, when we look at the, the way that, that time was calculated back there, we, we read that he, he went out um, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. Uh, that doesn't mean three o'clock, nine o'clock. Uh, the Jewish day basically consisted from sun uh, or, or from sundown uh, to sundown, right? So it was divided up into two 12-hour periods. And about 6 a.m. is when the day started. That's when the sun rised. Uh, the sun rose and then at sun down about 6 a.m. That would be kind of the close of the day. And so it's a 12 hour period of time there. So the man goes out probably about 6 a.m. The day is beginning to hire some laborers for his field and he offers to pay them one denarius. And what is a denarius? Well, a denarius is, is a typical day's wage at, at that time. Uh, so as of about a week, week and a half ago in the U.S., uh, when I when I was searching for this, I found out that the average vineyard worker makes $15 and 42 cents an hour. Now these guys are working for 12 hours. That means they're paid about $185 in us wages for a day's work. And before you start thinking, well, no, that you forgot about overtime and time and a half. And that's fine if you're in the U S but that wasn't, that wasn't a thing back then. Um, and so they, here's, what's important. They agree to that wage. They believe that a, a typical day's wage is fair to pay them for a full day's work. They agree to that. That's important. Now, around 9 a.m., three hours later, he goes out and he hires more workers. Now, what they would do oftentimes is there would be kind of a, a marketplace that they would, they would all these workers would go and they would just stay there and stand around and wait for someone to hire them. 
So the first, the first time he goes out about 6 a.m., he hires some, but not all. He hires a few people to come out and work on his, on his vineyard. Three hours later, he goes and he gets a few more. Three hours later at, at, at noon, he does it again. At three, he goes again. And then it says at about the 11th hour. Now, this is about five o'clock. Remember, the day ends at six. About five o'clock, he goes and gets the workers, the last ones. And he says to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? So this tells me he has seen them all day long standing there. He has not hired them yet. Right. He, he saw them. They've been there all day. You, you, you may have said, well, you know, maybe the reason that they only got hired for an hour is because they showed up the last hour to work. But that's not what this guy says. He knows that they had been standing there all day long waiting for work. Now keep in mind, again, the end of the day would be six. So these workers only have an hour left. Now, he doesn't tell anybody about what he's going to pay them, right? Other than the first ones, the very first people that he hires, he tells them, I'm going to hire you for one denarius. They agree to it. They believe that's fair. And they go to work. Everyone else after that, he just says, whatever's right, I'll pay you. Then he decides to pay all the workers, starting with the ones who only worked an hour. It's kind of a strange thing to do, right? To, to begin dishing out payments to the ones that were hired last. And he gives them, let's $185, right? One denarius. Then he goes to the men who worked for three hours. He gives them $185. He goes to the men who worked six hours, $185. He goes to the men who worked nine hours, gives them $185. And finally, he gets to the uh, men who were working all day long. They put in a grueling 12-hour shift, and they're expecting to be paid far more because of how long they worked compared to the men who were hired later. And the problem is that each of them have already agreed to do the work for $185, right? One denarius, one typical day's wage. And the man pays them what they agreed on. And at this point, they're furious with him, and they complain about how unfair he was to give the same pay to the men who he hired an hour earlier. These workers completely miss the point, and I'm afraid that we can do the same thing that they did. I'm afraid that we make the same mistake that they made. Now, I don't know what your life is right, like right now. I don't know what struggles you're dealing with, but I do know that without the right perspective, you are going to miss out on the best things in life that God has in store for you. Now, Jesus started off this whole parable by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, and that means that the master of the vineyard is God. What is the wage, right? The wage that the workers were offered. Well, that refers to the gifts that come along with being a member of the kingdom. And, and that includes a lot of things, right? But that includes all of the gifts that come along, in particular, heaven. It's not just heaven. Heaven's not the only benefit we get from being a child of God. But, but that is a big benefit, right? It's, it's eternity. So what did these workers miss seeing? that ended up robbing them of their joy? What things might we be overlooking in our lives that might otherwise cause gratitude in our hearts? So let's dive in. Number one, you were chosen by God for a purpose. That is something to be thankful for. See, at the beginning of the story, the workers were chosen to be hired by the master. Remember, the master went to the marketplace. He didn't hire every worker who was standing there. He only hired some. They were chosen to be hired. They could have not been hired at all. And here's the fact. God didn't have to choose us for anything. In fact, it's amazing he ever does. 
We are flawed. We are broken. We are sinful. We are selfish. We have, have this sin nature inside of us. We have this, this, this desire constantly pulling at us to, to do our own will over God's. It is amazing to me that God ever uses us. And yet in John 15, 16, he says this, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. When you're finding it hard to stop and be thankful, stop for a moment and think about how incredible it is that God has chosen you. You. You, in in spite of your past, your flaws, your failures, your shortcomings, God chose you. And that is something to truly be grateful for, especially when we take time to consider where we would be if he hadn't? Where would you be if God had not chosen to save you? You were chosen by God for a purpose, and that is something to be thankful for. You might say, well, it's not fair that these other people are getting blessed and I'm not, but stop for a moment and realize that God saved you. Where would you be if he hadn't done that? Where would the workers at the beginning of the story, where would they be if the master had not hired them? They wouldn't have eaten, right? They, they wouldn't have had a job. Number two, God is faithful to his word. Here's something else to be thankful for. God is faithful to his work, to his word. Uh, keep in mind, at the end of the day, the workers got paid exactly what they were promised, didn't they? The man agreed to pay them a salary. He agreed to a certain pay. Uh, pay. They agreed to it. And he kept his word. Some employers, they may have tried to cheat these men. They, they may have tried to, to stiff him and not pay him at all. They may have tried to pay them less than what was agreed upon. In fact, I'm sure that happened often. This is before unions. This is before a lot of the uh, you know Better Business Bureau kind of stuff, a lot of the regulations on businesses. I mean, what would workers like this do? What kind of recourse would they have if the master had cheated them? What could they have done? He's powerful. He's rich. He's, he's likely got connections. Who are they? They could have been cheated by the master. He could have lied to them. He could have not paid them what they, uh, what they had agreed on, but not this one. He did not do that. God is faithful to his word. They agreed to the price for their work and the master kept his word. Look, they may have been upset that others were paid the same for less work, but one thing they could not complain about was the honesty of the man who hired them. One thing that can help us be thankful during a difficult season is to remember that God is a God who always keeps his word. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he would lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? When God tells you something, you can stand on it. And that is something to be thankful for. Even when you're currently feeling like things are not fair. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is a promise that if you love God and you have been called or chosen for his purpose, meaning that you are actively working your faith out, then God works for you. And God always keeps his word. That is something to be thankful for. You may, you may feel like it's not a, he's not being fair right now. But you can stand on the fact that God is faithful to every promise he has ever made you. Number three, God cares for you. 
the very fact that the master in the story was so generous to others, it shows his care for them. If, if he truly cared for people who were hired at the last hour, how much more must he have cared for those who had been working for him all day long? The fact is that their attitude may have cost them employment the next day or the day after. Do you think that he only needed workers on his vineyard one day? He probably needed day after day after day people in the field. Had these men had a good attitude, they would have had a long-term employment. But their attitude may have cost them. This man went to the, to the, the marketplace and he saw men who had been standing there all day. Now, keep in mind, if they don't get a job, if they're not hired that day, they don't make any money that day. If they, don't ha- if they have enough days where they're not making anything, their family doesn't eat. Their family doesn't have a home. So they're standing in the marketplace all day long, 11 hours standing in the marketplace, hoping and praying that somebody is going to hire them so that their family can eat. And the fact that they were willing to stand there that long, and, and even to the point where if they're hired now, they've only got one hour of work that they can do, tells me they were desperate where they said one hour of work is, is, is better than nothing. I need every hour of work I can get. They were in a desperate situation and this man showed up and hired them and paid them a full day's wages. It shows me that this man cared for people. That's the character of God. God cares for you more than you might realize. Psalm 34, 17 to 18, it says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. John 3, 16, right? We all know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 8, 37 to 39, it says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you are finding it hard to be thankful, take time to remember that the God of the universe, the one who created everything, loves you in a way you will never be able to comprehend. Number four, the longer you've been with God, the longer you've been free. You know, that is one of the things that I think Christians can can miss. You know, we we oftentimes will will hear people that they've been saved their whole life, and, I, and I'm one of those, right? I, I kind of grew up in church. I couldn't tell you um, the moment where I gave my heart to God. I, I I know I was very young. I don't know when my testimony started. I don't know when this this thing started. I, w- I was young. I've been in church my whole life. I've I've been in the faith my whole life. I've served God my whole life. That's that's. That's my testimony and it's kind of boring, but you know, and it's not to say I haven't had things that God has helped me through and delivered me from and all of that, but, but I don't have this big dramatic story that a lot of people have where they kind of lived for themselves their whole life and then had this big miracle moment and God got a hold of their life and they have, you know, that this big transformation moment and, you know, they were in prison and they were, you know, I, I don't have that. And so when, when, when there are people who have been a Christian their whole lives and then they, they hear about people who 
lived for themselves their entire life and on their deathbed, they make a decision, right? Basically the last hour. That's, that's difficult for some people. They make a decision to follow Christ and, and that person will get the same heaven that I get. And it, it's not fair, right? But I would say it again, God is not fair and it's a good thing he isn't. Why, why, is, why am I saying then that this is something to be thankful for? Well, let me explain it this way. The workers who were hired at the beginning of the day, they went the entire day without worrying that they were going to have a paycheck at the end of the day. That means the entire day they knew that when they finished working, their families were going to eat. They knew that by the time the day was over, they were going home with money to provide for their families. The workers hired at the beginning of the day, they knew this was coming. That, that part of the stress wasn't there. They had assurance the entire day. The workers hired at the last hour, they went all day carrying the fear and dread that they might not be able to provide for their families that day. All day, 11 hours wondering if, if they were going to have any money at the end of the day, wondering if they were going to eat. Now think about that. I have gone my entire life knowing who God is. I've gone my entire life knowing that should I die, that should I die, heaven is waiting for me. Yes, I'm not eager to die. Okay, I'm not, I'm not looking for death. But throughout my life of knowing God, death has not held the same sway over me as it does people who don't know God. That thought of it just doesn't hold the same to a Christian, right? The thought of death is different than to an atheist or to an agnostic, right? To, to someone who doesn't understand who God is. A Christian who has been a Christian their whole life, we understand death differently. And so we've gone the entire lifetime without that worry over our heads. And here's the other thing. The workers in the field who were hired at the beginning of the day, they got to spend the entire day with the master. Those hired at the last hour, they only got one hour with him. Yes, it is true that the person who gives their life to God at the last moment will have the same heaven that I do. But I got to know God my entire life. I got, to, I got to go through this life and, and see him work and, and see how much he loves me demonstrated over and over and over again. I got to see how God has provided for me. I got to see how God has forgiven me when I've messed up bad. I've got to see how God can restore a life. And, and, and there is just so many things that had I not walked with God my whole life, I wouldn't have seen. There's this, this thing that we can often do in Christian circles where we compare ourselves to others, but the comparison is never really fair. You know, I mean, you, you have people that were, were saved their whole life. They were Christians their whole life. And, and they'll say something like, well, I just, I never really had a good testimony story to share, right? I don't have this big dramatic story. And then people who come to Christ late in life who have those dramatic stories, they'll say something like, I feel like I just wasted a lot of time. 
See, instead of focusing on what someone else has, take stock of what you have. Take stock of what you've been blessed with. And you're going to find that as you do that, you'll also see how others are not as fortunate as you are. That's something to be thankful for, is that every moment you have had with Christ is a moment longer than someone else who doesn't yet know him. And here's the final thing to be thankful for. Others are being blessed. Others are being blessed, and that is something to be thankful for. Even when you feel like God isn't being fair. Matter of fact, especially when you feel like God isn't being fair, take time and celebrate the fact that others are being blessed. Remember at the end of the story, the master pays the workers who were hired last first, right? Imagine, imagine putting all the workers in a line. And then he goes to the people who were hired at the very end of the day, right? They've only worked an hour. And he goes to them and he pays them first and then sends them home. <clears throat> and then he goes to the next person who was, had only worked for a few hours. And he pays them and sends them home. And then he goes to the next person who had worked six hours. He pays them and sends them home. And he keeps working his way down the line. Why would he do that? Well, I would say this. I believe that the master was giving another form of payment that they did not understand. See, in Acts 20, 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Imagine for a moment that he's going through this line and he pays the person who was hired last and then sends them home. And he goes to the next one, pays them, sends them home. And then he works his way down the line, eventually to the people who were hired at the beginning of the day and pays them last. So here's, here's what happened. The longer a person served the master, the more opportunities they had to rejoice in the blessings of someone else and to share in that person's joy the more opportunities they got to see the generosity of that master. When you're finding it hard to be thankful, especially when others are seeming to get the breaks you aren't getting, try to celebrate with them instead of being jealous. James 3.16, it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. When you rejoice with someone who is rejoicing, you get to partake of their joy and you build close relationships because people know it can be much harder to celebrate with those who are celebrating than it can be to weep with those who are weeping. It's very easy to weep with someone who's weeping, right? They're hurting, they're broken, they're going through a hard time and you feel sorry for them and, and it's easy to empathize. But when they're celebrating something and you haven't got it yet, it's a lot harder to be happy for them, isn't it? Because you're fighting away jealousy. You're fighting away comparison. But here's the fact. If you can develop this ability to celebrate with others, you'll never have trouble being thankful again. Because if you can't be thankful about your own situation in that moment, you can be thankful for theirs. There is so much blessing in receiving with others, to celebrating with others. Let me tell you, over the time that I have been a Christian, 
I have gotten to see lives changed. I have gotten to see so many times where God has come in and transformed someone's life. He has saved people. He has set people free. I've seen him do miracles in people's bodies. I've seen addictions broken. I've seen families restored. I've seen prodigal sons and daughters come home. I have seen God do all of those things. I've seen him bless people in all of those ways. And I have been able to celebrate with them in those moments. And it is so incredibly valuable. But a brand new Christian hasn't seen that yet. They haven't seen all of what I've seen. They haven't been able to experience that in the way that I have. That is something to be thankful for. If you are a Christian now, that means that every time you get to see, so every time someone is blessed around you, you get to partake in that. You get to rejoice in that. Don't compare. Don't, don't talk about how unfair it is that you haven't. What, just celebrate with them. Enjoy the blessing of that because it is more blessed to give than to receive. So give celebration, give support, and you'll find that the blessing is even better. See, the fact is that the workers in that parable we read, they were robbed, but not by the master. They were robbed by their terrible attitude and their broken perspectives. Because of that, they missed out on what could have been a really wonderful blessing. And so in closing this episode, I want to just ask you, take a moment to look at your own life. Do you know that God has chosen you? Do you know that God will always keep his word to you? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that every moment you've had knowing him is a blessing? Do you understand now how important it is to celebrate with others? I hope you do. This week, Take some time, count your blessings, and remind yourself of just how good God has been to you. God bless you. You have an amazing week. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.